Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, Kevin's talking marketing to the government with our friend Mark Amtower. Mark is a nationally recognized expert on business to government B2G marketing. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. And let's get started with Kevin, Mark, and B2G Marketing. Okay, welcome Mark Amtower to our podcast. It, it has been a while. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast, so welcome. Oh, thank you for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. Well, you've been helping people in GovCon for, for decades, for a while, right? And there's a lot of stuff that we could cover, but today I want to focus on, on the niche that you really live in, which is marketing in the GovCon market, you know, just B2G marketing. So to get us started, you know, what drove you into B2G marketing? Like, how did this become your focus area? It's weird. My, my degrees are in American literature, and I actually taught uh, college English way back when, very briefly, part-time. Part-time college teachers make nothing. But in graduate school, I was a telemarketer and I was quite good at it. So that translated into a couple of different positions, one of which was selling management and IT training to Fortune 100 and government. From that, I went over to Government Computer News for a little while But the more I was looking around, this is the early 80s, the more I was looking around, I saw that marketing to the government was not recognized as a separate discipline. And I kind of liked it. So I opened up Amtower and Company January 1, 1985. Wow. That is impressive because you've seen so many evolutions in marketing. Oh, God, yeah. From the snail mail days. Uh, here, and, you know, this is cool. Snail mail to the government was huge, but nobody really understood the process. So I used to go down to mail rooms and watch as the mail came in and was sorted and saw how much mail was actually being tossed. And that's, yeah, that's way before we evolved into how much email is being tossed. Correct. <laughs> how many LinkedIn yes. ads are being ignored? You know, yes. so, yeah, I, I'm I'm so impressed by the fact that you know, you were the you were the poster child for for relevancy, where how much it's evolved over the last you know, forty years, and you're still at the head of you're one of the first person I think of when we talk about BDG marketing and I like how it's done has changed. Yeah. So so you're you're, you're the, the the poster child for how to be a good uh, a good leader in an industry. Okay. So. Let's jump right into it. What's different about marketing to the government versus like business to business marketing? Well, you know, the the first thing to keep in mind, I think, in any market, particularly ours, is that this is a relationship driven market. Uh, you're, You're still talking and selling to people, but it's also a highly regulated market. So you have the uh, the FAR, the DFAR, uh, the Office of Government Ethics mandated rules. The opportunities are publicly posted, so you, you never know how many people are going to be bidding on something. Uh, it's a team-driven decision-making process. And largely, you know, you can find uh, team members that you suspect are going to be involved via LinkedIn. So, you know, it's mission-driven. It's not profit. There, there's a lot of things uh, in the the procurement process influences 
during the marketing process. But ultimately, you know, your client is much easier to research. Your your buying history is in FPDS. There's all of the trade pubs where we can go research the people who won the past business, uh, research the agency, what they're talking to. You got shows like uh, Jason Miller's uh, Ask the CIO. So if you sell technology to the government, you got to listen to that because Jason asked some of the toughest questions going. This is a really interesting point from a, from a business intelligence perspective that if you're trying to find out what kind of contracts a private company or even a publicly traded company, what kind of contracts they have, what, what they actually buy, who they buy it from, that, if you can find it, it's really expensive. Whereas in the, in the BDG market, there's really no excuse for not targeting because you've got that information. It's kind of your point is that the research is easier to do. So the people that do it are going to be more effective. That's the idea, right? Right, exactly. And, and the smaller your company is, the more targeted you really want your marketing to be. So there's a, a, a concept that's new apparently to the B2B world is account-based marketing. In our market, it's agency-based marketing. It may be new to, uh, to the B2B people, but we've been doing it for decades here. If a small business does not focus on one or two agencies or one or two offices and concentrate on building relationships, priming, subbing, whatever it takes to, to grow market share in that niche, you, you might as well just shoot yourself. You're, just, you're, you're shooting your marketing plan in the foot if you're not targeting. And the beauty of, of, of your point is it's, it's counterintuitive because a, like a startup, you don't necessarily know who your customer is going to be. So your instinct is to go with a wide net, which right. compounds the problem because now you're, you're shooting even wider when the last thing you want to do is shoot wider because you're, you're just going to make more noise. You're, you're creating waves nobody's paying attention to. Exactly. That account-based marketing, you're right. It's, that's become a, a, a buzzword. I hate to say buzzword, but that's what it sounds like in the B2B space. And I like how agency-based marketing is a, it's a it's an effective strategy, but it's also one. Do you think people are used to doing it? I mean, you you know about it. You're used to it because this is your space. But do you see a lot of companies do it? Um, most of the successful companies understand the process <laughs> and do it quite well. Okay, there you most go. Most of the less successful companies are still casting that broad net, saying, "Hey, I'm great at these twenty three things. Come find me." Yeah, here here are my seventy five NICS codes. It's interesting. I was talking to a, a, a large company and they have, I think, two NAICS codes that they were listed. And this is a, it's, it's relatively niche. That so was a software company, but they have a, a lot of things they could do, right? But they had it down to two NAICS codes. And you look at some of the small businesses and on their homepage, these are startups, but sometimes you'll see 15 or 20. And it goes back to your yeah. point of what, what are you trying to do? Because that message is just really, really muddied. Yeah, and, and the small companies don't understand that oftentimes the PSC is more important than the NAICS. No, well, jump jump on. I'm gonna I'm gonna. But we've talked about PSCs on here before. I want to hear your your version of that of the the, the PSC code. What what is? Well, the, the, the product service code gets granular. The NAICS code is so broad, you really may not understand what the the uh, the RFP is looking for. So scroll down into the, the PSCs, or if you can find SINs involved, those are going to be even more granular. So 
the, the more granular you get, the more you can determine whether or not your niche fits that bid. And then you can spend your time and energy going after things that are really germane to you versus that NAICS bid that's going to cover, you know, just way too broad an area. Yeah. Uh, I think it was episode, I'm going off a of memory here. I think it was 212. We had Steve Goldsby. He's a, he's a, a small IT company in Alabama. And he was the one that introduced how he does this with using the PSC codes and how it, it not only, again, the more he targeted, he actually ended up with more opportunity. It's counterintuitive. The more you focus, the the more opportunity you actually see that you can actually do. So, and win, yeah, and, and yes, <laughs> there's that, yeah. There's the and, and the things that are in your weight class that you're more likely to be able to, to actually pull off. Correct. So I want to jump ahead for a second to this concept that I actually I found in your book, and I, and I've and it, I, as far as I can tell, you actually created this concept years ago, and, and it's this in in this I will call it a past performance concept, but really has to do with with why BDG marketing has to be done effectively. And it's this concept of the apostle, meaning someone that you've supported them so well that they create opportunity for you because they're your apostle versus the burn victim. <laughs> and you get the, the the visual of a customer who is a burn victim is not going to be very happy. So talk more about that. Where'd you come up with this? It, it came from, I, I was reading, it may have been Phil Kotler or one of the other great marketing gurus, but there's something called the prospect pyramid. And Previously, at the bottom, there was suspect, then above that prospect, above that customer, and above that advocate. So it was a four-level thing. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you're, you're, you're missing two levels here because, you know, if you do something to upset someone to the point where they really don't like you, they're a burn victim. They're going to scream about you any chance they get. Your name comes up in a conversation They'll use expletives that have yet to be invented. And on the flip side, you know, the apostle, if you treat someone really well, deliver, you know, fulfill your contract, be really good at the customer service side, everything, you can develop these apostles. And, you know, historically, we know that, you know, if you have 12 of them, you go, you go places. (laughs) Yeah, well said. Those Burn victims never, ever, ever forget you. And every chance they get, they will poop in your lap. That's a technical phrase. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's marketing speak. Yeah. And, and they both remember you for a long time, right? I mean, that's the- Yes, they do. But here, here's the other thing. If you, if you address a burn victim's problems directly and individually, and try to turn that relationship around, oftentimes you can take them from the bottom of that pyramid to the top. But you've got to do it completely. You've got to explain the situation from your point of view and do everything you can to turn their opinion around. If you ignore them, at your, it is at your own peril. Yeah, I love the fact that you're pulling them from one end to the other by focusing on how do how do I correct this? The best case is to not cause it in the first place. And if if you can't correct it, explain why the process worked the way it did, and try to help them understand how they can get past this next time. Yeah, one of the concepts that we use at Skyway is the the the, the brand of Skyway. Our focus is in making sure that people that they feel. They feel uh, delighted, cared for, and confident. That's that's the overall goal we're going for, right? 
that that's customer service, right? Yeah, you do it right, you move them all the way up the pyramid. So in a public sector, these burn victims, uh, you and I talked before, you, you, you pointed out a, a really, really critical idea here. A CPARS for, is, is one place, it's one of the bigger mm-hmm. places that contractors are raided. Sure. And that can show that there's a burn victim, but it's it's public. It's not some guy at a, cof- at, a, at, a, at a coffee table complaining about you. I mean, it's public to the, well, not to the world, but to the government world. Right. What's what's the what's the impact of that? Again, CPARS, you've got several levels, and the the rating system is public. So if if you're in the bottom three items on a on a CPARS rating, you know, again, shoot yourself. You know, get 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 debriefed on this from the usually it's the contracting officer that actually does the final. They get input maybe from a PM or from their COTAR, but, you know, it's the contracting officer. So if you get a CPARS that's not where you want it to be, ask for a debrief on the CPARS. Find out why. See if you can migrate it up a notch or two by explaining your side. But if not, fully understand why you didn't get what you wanted. Yeah, so you can fix it for next time. Yeah, I mean, I think contracting officers, I mean, it's they are obligated to explain, but if you ask politely, I think most of them would. Yeah, and the the, the value of of believing you're going to listen and adapt is why as a contracting officer, I'm more likely to take the time to explain it to you. If you just want to argue with me and tell me why I'm wrong, again, that's a nuance. That go back to your point of relationship. They're people talking to people. Well, also think about that pyramid. If you're arguing with a contracting officer and continuing saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, they're going to be the burn victim and they're going to hate your guts. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to go well. So speaking of contracting officers, let's, we, we can't have a contracting officer podcast without some FAR references in it. And so here's a couple of examples of, of where this concept of, of burn victim versus apostle is so important. Uh, first one is FAR 12.206. And basically says that the past performance should be an important element of every evaluation and that the the performance can come from a wide variety of sources, both inside and outside the federal government. Now, that's in FAR Part 12, which is commercial, but still goes back to your point, Mark, of if somebody's a burn victim and they're spending all their time bad-mouthing you on Google reviews, they may find it. (laughs) And this says they can use it, right? Likewise, uh, FAR 15305A2I, I got to show off here is past performance indicators, one indicator of an offer's ability to actually do the work. So it, again, this is this is evidence. And then this is where it gets real fun. Now we're post-award on, on, on your performance of the contract. So uh, FAR 42-1502A, and this is all about contract administration. Past performance evaluation shall be prepared at least annually at the time the work is, is done, Okay. And it's required for contracts with a value over two hundred fifty thousand, and for construction over seven fifty, and A and E over thirty five thousand. But if there's a termination, they can do it anyway. So the point is, the expectation of the FAR is, we want to know who the burn victims are and who the apostles are, so we don't do it twice. That's the way I read that as a contracting officer. That's why I like if you get the visual of burn victim, you go, wow. <laughs> if if the contracting officer, or for that matter, the government customer, is my burn victim. This could follow me for a while. And that's why your burn victim metaphor is so ideal. 
And 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 that's why even for a CPARS rating, you really should ask ask for a debrief if you get anything other than the the top level, and go in with the right attitude. Yeah, yeah, well said. So, why does the government care about this concept of of the burn versus the 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 burn victim versus the apostle? It, past performance is a bridge to more work for contractors, right? So, if they don't know whether they're creating an apostle or burn victim, that's kind of on me as the contracting officer. We have to communicate what, where, where's the expectation? The benefits of great performance need to be documented so that good companies continue to win work, right? What we don't want to have, and I, I use this phrase a lot, somebody who's all icing and no cake. In other words, somebody who writes a great proposal but doesn't perform for crap. That's what we don't want, right? Well, one of the best ways to keep those people from getting, continuing to get more work you got to document this. You got to set expectations to let people know when they meet it or not. And so that there's a clear expectation or a clear understanding of how well the performance actually played out. Yeah. And, but, you know, part of this process also is the program manager on the contractor side really needs to document everything from their point of view, all of their communications with the PM on the flip side and all of the communications that they receive from whoever they're working with and showing that they did everything they could to fulfill all obligations that were within scope. That's a great point of expectation of communication is both sides. So both sides have to document. Yep. Okay. So let's jump ahead to the, to what's going on now. Like I said, I love the fact that you've been in this industry industry for 40 years and you've evolved with it. <laughs> like you, you are now the LinkedIn guy and LinkedIn didn't exist when you started this. So, case in point of you tend to be on the, on the leading edge of what's working in, in B2G marketing. So what do you see happening in the, in the B2G marketing that people should be aware of right now? Well, I mean, COVID actually threw kind of a monkey wrench into everything. Um, but, you know, from, from a number of people's points of view, the government reaction to COVID was actually quite quick and very thorough. You know, the migration to telework and, and keep in mind, telework's been with us since the early 90s in the CASU program, the Cooperative Admin Support Program, way back in uh, late 80s, early 90s. There were telework centers around D.C. so people wouldn't have to drive all the way into town. Then there was experimenting with telework from home. The issue, obviously, being with computers is the, you know, the privacy, the virtual private network. Right. But... COVID showed that the government can react quickly and and well to adverse situations. Now, we were leveraging social media tools prior to COVID, but the rapid migration to particularly LinkedIn, webinars, Zoom, that type of thing showed that we could accomplish, you know, in a Pareto sense, 80% of everything we need to do virtually and what we're losing. And this is the important part. What we're losing is that 20% of one-to-one. So right now we're looking at each other on screen. I'm not aware that we've met. Nope. We, you and I have never met in person. Yeah. So, and, but we've known each other for a while. Yeah. And that's pretty damn cool because, you know, in the nineties, that wouldn't have happened. Exactly. Um, <laughs> You know, I may have seen your name in an article or something and make a note. I got to meet this guy sometime. Uh, so the migration to social was was radical and big. The use of that 
social media has been spotty for a lot of people. A lot of people still, from my perspective, don't know how to fully leverage LinkedIn. They think that you can just reach out to people that you don't know and do your traditional sales cold call. There's a lot of ways to make that a warm call, and we don't have time to get into it now, but it's something to think about. That migration to best-in-class IDIQs, GSAs, 16 uh, BICs, there's documentation that I get from Bloomberg on a regular basis showing that this is very true. I mean, look at the growth. Soup's been with us for ages, but the growth of soup over the last three or four years has been tremendous. You know, it's now a $10 billion plus a year vehicle, and it's a basically still a product vehicle, product with some services, but it's not like Oasis or, you know, Alliant. So smaller companies are being more successful with the account-based marketing. But again, the vast majority of smalls still cast that net too, too broad. I have several examples. A friend of mine, Kevin Cooley, down in Southern Maryland, resource management consultants. They've been in business since 95. Uh, they focused on Pax River. They focus on NOCAD. And they, they've grown from, you know, a couple of people company to a 400 employee, $75 million company focusing on Pax River, on NOCAD. And now they've migrated to, to NYWIC, which is the old Spaywar name or the new Spaywar name. <laughs> so you can, you can successfully grow your business if you're disciplined enough to stay focused on your core competencies and what your client needs. The other success factor for RMC is they do basically three things. They do cyber, they do research, development, and scientific computing. And that's it. But they do it really well, and those are things that NOCAD needs. Yeah, what, what's that saying? That don't don't do a hundred things that that a bunch of people like. Do for do a few things that a few people love. Right. And so by folk, and it's it's hard as a business. You see opportunity everywhere. I mean, we 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 have a constant. Uh, we, we call it targeting ruthlessly, and you, you have to be ruthless because you know you can do lots of stuff. And and but that's a great example of you got to do this over decades. If you can keep being ruthlessly focused, you can build a very successful business and help a lot of people without stepping much more out of the space you started in because it's right. the right space. And, and think about that prospect pyramid for a company like RMC. Yeah. How, yeah. How many, how many apostles do you think they have exactly. at Pax River? <laughs> yeah. And if they went over to some other agency in, in California, they'd be starting over. It, it, it'd they be would. Extremely difficult process. Right. Okay, so speaking of difficult processes, to, to finish in 30 minutes, because there's so much stuff we could talk about. We land the plane on this. So on the government side, this concept of documenting both good and bad performance, it it's, has to come with, back to this relationship of communicate what's going on. Manage the relationship pre and post award. Document how well the contractor performed. Let them know if you're a burn victim so they can fix it, or if you're an apostle so they can benefit from it so they know what they did right. It's, it's a huge part of, of what makes government contracting work well is when you understand how to leverage that relationship piece in context of how well you perform. Yeah. And, you know, your, your, your point about um, 
communicating is key as well because we all know what we want to say and we think we're saying it, <laughs> but you've got to to really make sure that you're you're whoever you're communicating with, you know, if you're government to industry or industry to government, make sure they understand what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it needs to be clear. This is awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you, Mark. Really glad we were able to get you on the podcast finally. So how do people get a hold of you? Because you you got a lot of good stuff too. Well, obviously they can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that's your space. Uh, if you if you want to listen to my podcast, uh, just Google Amtower Off Center, and uh, it's available. All of the archives are on Podcast One, and uh, Mark Amtower at Gmail dot com is the easiest way to reach me. I don't use my cell like other people's do. I, I still use this email thing. <laughs> this email thing <laughs> that's awesome. All right, this is fun. Uh, I'm I'm sure we'll have more reasons to chat, and it is really cool that that you and I have gotten to know each other without actually being in in, in uh, 3D. So at some point that will happen. <laughs> we'll get there. In, indeed. All right. Thanks, Mark. I'll see you later. Kevin, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway's team of former contracting officers is here to help when you need to understand how your customer thinks. Give us a call at 877-884-5280 or visit skywayacq.com to learn more. Thanks again and we'll see you next week.